You know, I, um, I'm really excited about this evening, and I've been praying a lot about uh, just the words that God has put on my heart to share with, with us this evening. And I really do believe that uh, what we're going to talk about for the next few moments, it has some of the greatest potential to either bring help or harm to other people's lives. When, when we speak about being influencers, I believe the thing that we're going to talk about tonight carries an unbelievable weight and how we can influence others. And it's something that really every one of us was born with. Uh, It's something that every one of us at times struggles to control. And so I'm excited for us to be able to hear from God's word and to see what he has to say to us. So I'd love to begin by praying uh, this evening. So if you would pray with me, we'll begin that way. Father, I pray that my words would be your words. I pray that the things that you have put on my heart to share, God, that you would ultimately uh, allow those words to speak into the hearts of each of us in this room. God, I'm so grateful that we don't have to invite you here. We know that you're here. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak, that you would be the great messenger. Pray that you would be loving, that you would whisper, And that, God, we would open our ears to hear from you. God, if there's anything that I say that could be distracting, I pray that it would just fade away. I pray that these words would be yours. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I don't know about you if you've ever had uh, these kinds of moments happen to you where, where you're in a conversation with somebody and you're talking and you have like this moment and, and a word starts to form like in, in the back of your head and, and you start to think that's what I should say and it starts to move like from the back of your head to your lips and, and then in that process you realize, oh no, that's not it. That's not what I should say. I should not let that out. That would be very, very bad and that happens right after you've let it out like right after you've said the words. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've said something and you're like, oh, if only I could get those words back. If there's any way that I could just sort of pull those back into myself and like make those words disappear. I had one of those experiences once. I've had those experiences a lot, but I had one of those experiences that I will never, ever forget. Uh, we, were, we were at another church. This was a number of years ago, and uh, it was Mother's Day. And we were handing out flowers to all of the the women that were walking into church that were obviously moms. And, uh, and so we were standing by the doors and we were handing each of them flowers, you know, and saying, happy Mother's Day. We're so grateful for you. And, and this woman came walking into the church and I walked right up to her and I said, congratulations, when is your baby due? And she looked back at me and said, I don't have a baby that's due. And I was like, oh, God, God, like, erase me from this moment. Like, put me in, like, some sort of cocoon. Lord, take my words back. What can I do? Where is there a cave that I can go? Like, I I wanted to have, like, a superpower where I could just sort of, like, you know, erase everything that I said or or erase myself. You know, I didn't know what to do in the moment. And and I was terribly, terribly embarrassed. and, And I'm sure she saw it on my face, and I was like... I think you deserve this flower for what I just said to you. Like, I, I didn't know what to do in the moment. It was terrible. And I was, I was 
utterly embarrassed, and it was this awful moment, and she was, of course, very, you know, kind and sweet to me, and she's like, no worries, not a problem, happy Mother's Day to you, and I was like, well, I'm not a mom either, so, you know, that's just good, you know, and, you know, so it was, it was one of those moments, but I mean, still, every Mother's Day, when, when somebody's like, should we give out flowers to the moms? I'm like, never, we should never give flowers to moms, you know, and, and it, I mean, it, it's like marked me my entire life, and, and I don't know if you've ever had those kind of moments where you've said something embarrassing and you wished you could have brought it back in, but you know, we probably have had those experiences. And maybe it's not just an embarrassing moment with words, but maybe you've had uh, it go to another length and, and you've said something that you thought, I think I just really hurt that person. I think I just really wounded them. I think those words that I just let fall out of my mouth, I think it's going to really, really cause some pain. Words have power, don't they? I mean, they have an incredible, incredible power. I mean, maybe you've been in a situation with somebody and it was like the, it was in a conversation and you were debating something or you were talking about something and, and the conversation started to heat up a little bit. I don't know if you've ever been in those kinds of conversations and, and it started getting, you know, hotter and, you know, your blood started to boil a little bit and you totally were disagreeing with what they were saying. And, and in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I know, don't speak up, just be silent, you know, just let this go by. And, and you know, then you couldn't hold it back anymore. And you found yourself just like catapult words on them. And, and it was really from the heart and the purpose of, of wanting to sort of like get on top of the conversation. You wanted to bring them down with your words. And you let it happen. And maybe you've been in a situation, you know, where, where you wanted to share some information that, that you knew was actually private information, but maybe because of an insecurity or wanting to appear like, like you were in the know on things, that, you know, you had all the information, you shared something anyways. And the second you said it, you knew, you were like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have let that come out of my mouth. Or maybe it had to do with gossip. You know, saying something hurtful about someone when, when they weren't there, when they weren't present. And, and maybe it wasn't just something that you said with gossip. Maybe it actually had something to do with, with you just being in the room. Because the interesting thing about gossip, it isn't just something that, that we say. We can participate in gossip when we just listen. Gossip isn't just talking. It actually has to do with listening as well. In fact, anytime you listen to gossip, you're informing everyone in the room that you're willing to hear it. And potentially, you'd be willing to get involved. Eleanor Roosevelt once said that great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. Gossip is a small-minded activity. And when these moments happen, I think most of us would say, you know, I didn't intend to put myself in that situation. I mean, we very rarely walk into a situation saying, you know, I'm hoping that what I can do today is hurt somebody with my words. The thing that I would most like to accomplish is I would like to tear someone down with my tongue. Like none of us walk into situations like that. But I think, honestly, if we were to be honest with one another, I mean, how many of you have been in a situation where you've said something and you thought, I so wish I wouldn't have said that. 
Or maybe you've been in a situation where, where you participated in a conversation far too long and you thought, I wish I would have excused myself from that conversation a lot earlier. I mean, how many of you can say, you know, truth be told, you know, raise your hand. That's true of me. I've done those things. So, so all of you that are not raising your hands, now you're lying in church. <laughs> and so this sermon is not going to just be about, you know, our tongues. Now I have to talk about lying. So you're going to be here for a long time tonight. Um, but words have power, don't they? And we all know this. When you think about it, wars have been started over words. Divorces have happened because of words. Self-esteem has literally been dashed inside of humans because of words. Nations have been divided because of words. Children have literally had their spirits crushed because of words. And your tongue, your tongue is an instrument of influence. And it always it always leaves an imprint. Your tongue is an instrument of influence, and it always leaves an imprint. The question is, what kind of imprint are you going to let it leave? What kind of imprint are you going to let it leave? And the Bible talks about this a ton. In fact, there are tons and tons of passages all throughout the scriptures that all reference the power of our words. In fact, I want to look at a pretty common one this evening. Uh, and so if you have your Bible, and if you didn't bring your own, there's one right in front of you. And I would love for you to turn to James 3. In the Bibles in the seatbacks, uh, it's found on page 1119. And we're going to read uh, this first part of James 3 together. And in fact, the passage is actually called Taming the Tongue. And this is what it says. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, and those who are never at fault in what they say are perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So essentially, James is saying that if your tongue is in check, if the words that you say are in check, then literally the rest of your body is going to be in check. Verse 3, he goes on. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. Okay, so James is getting very, very visual here about the tongue, right? Our tongue is like fire. And James says it's literally set on fire by hell. No pressure, right? He goes on in verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by human beings. But no one, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So, So James is literally saying, It's impossible. 
It's impossible to actually ever gain a full taming of the tongue. He goes on to say, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. I think that most of us would say that those of us are Jesus followers. This is probably the number one critique of us, isn't it? That we can, we can raise our hands and we can praise Jesus in the very next sentence. We can cut someone down. It's probably the most common critique of Jesus' followers. It says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this could, should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James, you know, in in these 12 verses here, I mean, he's giving us some pretty clear pictures on just how powerful the tongue can be. And he stops right there. He doesn't resolve the passage. He doesn't give advice. He doesn't say, so here's what you got to do. He just moves on. He just says, beware. Beware. This tongue inside your body It's powerful. It's very powerful. In fact, this instrument of influence in every one of our mouths that actually forms our words, it only weighs somewhere between 60 and 70 grams. 60 and 70 grams. That's how much our tongue weighs. But yet it has intense power. It has more power than any other part of our body. In an instant, in an instant, our tongue can either harm or it can bring healing. In a second, our tongue can either help or it can hurt. In just a moment, we have the power to tear down or to build up. And James gives some unbelievable visual pictures, doesn't he? I mean, he starts with, with this whole idea of a bit in a horse's mouth. And how many of you have actually ridden a horse at some point in your life, okay? There's not, like, many of them to ride here in the city. It's not a common day, you know, thing that we do here in Chicago. Uh, but if, if you've ever ridden a horse, you know that the horse has a bit in its mouth. I, I brought one along here, okay? This is, this is a bit. This goes right into the horse's mouth. And it's attached to some ropes. And, and the person that is, is riding on the back of the horse has the power to pull on this bit and literally direct where the horse will go. It, it'll, it'll direct, you know, where he turns, where he stops, how he moves, what direction he heads in. And you think about a horse, it's a pretty large animal, right? I mean, an average horse weighs 1,000 pounds. And this one piece of metal, this one piece of metal, directs a thousand-pound animal. Unbelievable. The power. James says our tongue is just like that. That our tongue can direct and move and influence things much bigger than themselves. He goes on and he says, you know, it's, it's not just like a bit in a horse's mouth. It's, it's also like a rudder on a ship. How, how many of you have actually been on a boat at some point in your life? Yeah, many of us. You know, about a month ago, uh, a friend of ours let us go up to their cabin for a couple of days, and uh, they had this little pedal boat. 
And our kids loved this pedal boat. I think it's because we had to pedal the entire time and they weren't doing the pedaling. It was like they were just on their own private cruise ship, you know, out on this lake. And, and the thing is, is that it had this, you know, little uh, rudder up, up in the, the pedal boat. And our kids, you know, kept going back and forth who was going to direct the pedal boat. And Jarrett and I were pedaling and pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. And they would take turns over who was going to direct the rudder. You know, and when Gigi had it, we just went in a continuous circle for 20 minutes. It was awesome. Uh, But it's amazing. This pedal boat, you know, all four of us were sitting on it. It was just that little rudder underneath the water that was actually directing where we were headed. And a tongue is much like that. It literally can direct the steps of your life. The last illustration that James talks about in this, uh, you know, 12 verse here, he says that our tongue is a lot like a match. It's a lot like a match set on fire. And, you know, when you think about a match and you think about its, its power, you know, me just doing this isn't going to do anything. If I were to let this go in the wrong place, we could experience a lot of destruction, couldn't we? A lot of lives could really be hindered. Many of you are really glad that right now I am not a 12-year-old boy with this match. For that matter, a grown man with this match. Or, or my husband with this match. Um, men in fire, they like, they like it. I don't know what it is. But, um, I mean, it, it can cause great destruction, can it? We've all seen what a fire can do, the, the potential harm that it can cause. And our tongue is just like that. It's like a match, so quick, so fast that it can be lit. And the pain that can come from that. And the the tongue can feel like that at times. You know, one word has the potential to cause harm for a lifetime in another person. And some of you, you may have experienced that. You know, our capacity to remember hurtful words is amazing, isn't it? If I was in a contest right now and and I had to do an algebra equation in like under 10 seconds, I would for sure fail, okay? But if I was in a contest where I had to recite some of the hurtful things that have been said to me throughout my lifetime, I remember them like that. I remember where I was. I remember who said them. I remember how it made me feel. I remember the wound. James, he doesn't hold back on his illustrations in this passage because he knows that this instrument of influence, it is lethal. And the thing is, is every one of us was born with it. And every one of us has seen the destruction that can come from it, haven't we? I mean, you have literally the potential inside of you. This is unbelievable when you think about it. You have the potential inside of you to ruin every relationship in your world with the power of your words. You could literally wipe out every relationship in your world with the power of your words. There is no limit, James says, to what can be done with a misguided phrase or a misguided word. And often when we misuse words or when we injure someone with our words, what do we do? We try to fix it, don't we? And the way that we try to fix it is we try to fix it with more words. 
It's unbelievable. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this where, where you're talking and you say something and you're like, oh, that's not what I meant to say. And you actually say that. Oh, that's not what I meant to say. What I meant to say was this. And then you say more bad words. Or, or you've been in a situation and you go, you know, oh, that totally came out wrong. What I was actually thinking was this. And then you make the situation even worse. Or what I wanted to say was, and some of us have been in those situations where, where what we've tried to do is, you know, we've said something that we wished we wouldn't have said, and then we try to repair it with more words. And we're shocked when people don't, like, right away go, oh, yeah, now I understand. No problem. Oh, I totally get it. No worries. That didn't hurt me at all. I'm fine. We're shocked when people don't come back to us like that. It's because we don't anticipate how heavy our words can be and how they can injure another person. A couple weeks ago, um, I was going out to dinner with some friends, and uh, it was raining, so we decided to actually have uh, them valet our car. And I got out of the driver's seat, and uh, I told the valet attendant, you know, I, I got to grab my purse. It's in the back seat real quick. And I guess he didn't hear me or something, or, you know, may, maybe he didn't understand what I was about to say. But I, he got into the front seat, and I opened up the back door, and I was pulling out my purse. And at that very moment, he decided to put the car in drive and started to drive off. And when he drove off, he actually drove right over my foot and threw my body into traffic. And it was a great moment. Um, And I was a little bit in awe at first that my own car ran me over and I wasn't driving it. Um, But the guy, he finally stopped and he came back and he felt terrible. I mean, and he should have. He ran me over. Um, But... You know, he, he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. And, you know, he began to apologize profusely. And, and the restaurant people, you know, they were like, oh my gosh, we ran a girl over in the street. This is not good for business. And, you know, and so they came out and, you know, they're, they're putting ice on my foot. And, you know, they brought us free desserts, hoping that we'd forget about the situation. You know, they comped the valet service, which I wasn't planning on paying for it anyways. Um, and, and all this activity started to, to get moving because they all felt bad that they injured me. And at the end of the day, I still was run over. I was still injured. No amount of activity or anyone's part that they would have began to play could have changed that fact, right? And we do that with our words. When we injure with our words, We think that if we create all sorts of activity, oh, if I just do this, if I just go there, if I just make this better, if I just, you know, do this thing, or, you know, I smooth this over, if I tell this person, if I send some flowers, if I do this thing, then it's going to make it all better. And you've still injured someone with your words. And no amount of activity is going to change the fact that they're injured. The book of Proverbs says that the more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. The more talk, the less truth. It's the wise that measure their words. Let me just give you some some helpful wisdom. And this is not a verse in the Bible. This is from First Genie, okay? (laughs) When you have hurt someone with your words... 
When you have hurt someone with your words, the very best thing you can do is to stop talking. I'll say it again. The very best thing you can do when you have injured someone with your words is stop talking. You see, the wise, they measure their words. In our family, when, uh, when our kids hurt one another or when they disobey or, or you know, when they just did something that they weren't supposed to do, we sort of have a, uh, a rule in our household. Um, there's no long conversations about it. We don't go and set up a witness stand and march Gigi up there and let her tell her story and then, you know, march Elijah up there. Okay, Elijah, tell us what happened, you know, in your words, you know, and give us a good strong case, you know. None of those things happen. We expect three things from our kids. The first is they need to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In other words, be repentant. Don't give excuses. Don't justify. Don't, you know, say something like, well, Gigi, I was just trying my lightsaber out. That's why I hit you over the head with it. You know, there's there's no need for excuse. That doesn't work. We don't need to, when we hurt somebody with our words, give our whole life story. You know, well, when I was five, my mom did this, and so now I'm 25, and so that's why I say things like this. And, you know, I never really figured out in between why words fall out of my mouth like this. Just say, I'm sorry. You know, when, when you begin to own the fires that you have started with your words, chances are you're not going to start those fires again. The second thing that we have our kids do is say, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I was wrong. In other words, just own it. Like, legitimately own it. Take responsibility. I mean, we've probably had every coach, every parent, every significant teacher in our life say, you know what speaks louder than words? Actions. And sometimes just walking up to another person and saying, you know, I, sh- I should not have said that. And, I- and I'm going to allow my actions to reveal more than my words so that I can make this right with you. And the third thing that we ask them to do is say, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And sometimes um, when this happens as adults, takes a lot longer. Sometimes somebody's not ready to offer forgiveness yet. But you should always move in the path towards restoration and reconciliation. And you know what the hardest part of that whole thing is for our kids? It's not saying I'm sorry. It's not saying I was wrong. It's not saying will you forgive me. The hardest part of it for our kids is we make them look one another in the eyes or we make them look us in the eyes. It's the hardest part. Every single time, they're always trying to like look up to the right. I'm so sorry that I hit you with the lightsaber. You know, they they don't want to look one another in the eyes. Because it's when you look somebody in the eyes that you really feel the ownership, don't you? It's when you speak in another person's heart and say, I'm so sorry. I really hurt you. Will you forgive me? And when you see 
the magnitude of the pain in their eyes. It's when you know it's real, don't you? And some of us in this room, the very reason you came to church tonight is because you need to look some people in the eyes this week. You need to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? For some of you, it's just because maybe you were in a setting and, and you didn't speak up when you should have. You know, you, you were in an in a environment where people were talking and saying things that you wish they wouldn't have been saying and, and you feel like, man, I, I wish I would have just spoken up. I wish I would have just said, you know, guys, we shouldn't be talking like that. Can you imagine the influence that you would send into a room of gossip if you were to say, you know, Let's talk about something else. You probably would never be invited back to that room again. But it sure would change the environment, wouldn't it? And some of you, you wish you you would have spoken up, but for some of you, you need to stop speaking out. I was meeting with someone um, about a month ago, and and they were sharing sharing with me that one of their strengths is that uh, they're a very honest person. And, and this person was saying, you know, um, I don't put a muzzle on anything. If I think it, I say it. You know, if I see something and I know it's not right, I just say it. I am just a truth speaker all the time. I'm always being honest. And I'm sitting in the coffee shop thinking, this is going to be a good friendship. I'm like, I'm really looking forward to this. You know, like, wow, this person doesn't ever have a muzzle, never. And it was amazing, you know, the the more we went on into the conversation, um, they started to say, you know, I'm really frustrated about some some of the relationships in my world right now. I just, I feel isolated, I feel forgotten, I feel like I'm overlooked on a regular basis, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can do math. Like, here's this person that never puts a muzzle on themselves, and she or he is feeling isolated. Okay, maybe there is some connection here. And so I decided, you know, that I was going to step into uh, what they said they do on a regular basis. I said, can I, can I share some, some truth with you? I know you just told me that you really like it. And so um, I'm, I'm wondering if I could just share a few, few minor thoughts with you. And um, they said, sure, yeah, absolutely, bring it. And, um, and I, I thought of some words that a former boss used to always um, say And he used to always say, you know, just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it. Just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it. Being honest isn't uh, isn't not saying everything that's true. Because that's actually foolish sometimes. Being honest is making sure that what you say is true. What you say is true. And those of you that are married, you know this more uh, more than anyone in this room, don't you? I, Jarrett and I, when we got married, we had some amazing counselors and they said, there's a few words that you really should probably never say in your marriage. Never wind up in an argument by saying, you always do this. It's, it's about to go really downhill if you start that way. Or if you wind up in an argument by saying, you never, ever do that, it's pretty likely that conversation is going to get worse. 
or saying to your spouse, you know, I just wish you were more like this. Chances are you're not going to rebound too quickly from that kind of conversation. You know, if Jarrett would have said to me like two or three years into our marriage, you know, babe, I love you so much. I can't believe that God gave me such an amazing woman. There is no other woman on the planet like you. You are amazing. You are beautiful. You are incredible. You know, I had always hoped that I would marry somebody that was 5'8", but you being 5'4", is okay. And I love you so much. Do you know what I would have remembered from that conversation? That I'm not 5'8". That's the only thing I would have remembered. The tongue, the tongue is an instrument of influence and it will leave an imprint. It will leave an imprint. We have to ask ourselves the question, what kind of imprint will you let it leave? You know, the potential for harm that the tongue can have, it's undeniable. But it also has unbelievable potential for transformation, doesn't it? I'm sure every one of us can recall a moment when someone said words of truth or or when someone said words of encouragement or blessing or when someone looked us in the eyes and said, I love you so much. I believe in you. Can I pray for you? It changed you, didn't it? And I don't tend to send a lot, uh, you know, save a lot of things. I don't really like a lot of clutter, but I have saved almost every significant word, every significant card, every significant letter. I print out emails that mean a lot to me that have words of truth in them, and I save them because they are reminders of truth of who God has created me to be. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any, do not let any, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And this is amazing truth, isn't it? I mean, the scriptures say that we can literally build a human up, that we can literally take another human being and we can lift them from here to here with that 70-gram muscle in your mouth. That's amazing. It's incredible power. And we know that this is possible. There are words throughout history that all of us, we remember. Words like, I have a dream that one day this nation, it will rise up and live out its true meaning of its creed. When Martin Luther King said that, he was literally using words to bring change into our world, wasn't he? Those are words we all remember. For many, those are words that brought transformation, that brought hope, that brought a new sense of freedom and a final justification, isn't it? Those are words, words that brought change. I think some of us, we just need to look around our little worlds the people right around you, people in your immediate circle. Who is God placed right next to you, right around you, that you can literally lift to a new level? Husbands, what does your wife need to hear you say? What does she so long to hear you say? Wives, what does your husband need to hear you say? What do your kids 
need to hear you say? What do your parents need to hear you say? What are your work associates, the people that you're with all the time, what do they need to hear you say? The people that you lead, your friends, the people that you spend your time with, what do they need to hear you say? And I'll give you some hints. With these, you can't really go wrong, okay? Every woman on this planet, I have yet to meet a woman, I have yet to meet a woman in my 38 years. Every woman on this planet, when she hears the words, you, you are beautiful on the inside and the out. Here's what I think is remarkable about you. Here's what I think is beautiful about you. Let me just tell you for a moment about your beauty. I have yet to meet a woman that goes, nah, no thanks. words of life. They nurture the soul. I have yet to meet a man. I have never met a man that when someone says to him, do you know what? I really respect you. I respect this about you. I respect the way you make decisions. I I really admire this in your life. I've yet to meet a man that goes, yeah, I knew that about myself, you know? I, I didn't really need to hear that. Every man, if he was honest, that fills, fills his soul. There is not a kid on the planet that doesn't want to hear the words, I believe in you. I believe in you. You can make a difference with your life. Here's all these things that I see about you that I know you're going to make an amazing difference. Parents, on a regular basis, need to hear the words, thank you. Thank you so much. I could not speak when you were changing my diaper all those years ago. But thank you. Thank you for all of the incredible ways. You may have failed a thousand ways. Don't say that. But, you know, you may know that. Um, But thank you. If you're an employer, you, you have people that work for you, tell them, I'm so grateful for you. You're worth every penny. I pay you. If you have a great leader in your life, a great mentor, somebody that that really pours into your life, that sacrifices in their life to give to your life, tell them, thank them. Say, "I, I am actually growing. I am changing because of you. Thank you for pouring into my life. And some of us, we just need to overcome the discomfort of speaking words of life into another person's soul. You know, every night when, um, when we sort of wind down uh, in our household, you know, we've got, you know, dinner and then baths and then bedtime. And so, you know, we've got some rituals around each of them. And at dinner time uh, with the kids, we do this thing called highs and lows. And we talk about, you know, what was the high of the day and what was the low of the day. And, you know, they, they talk about, you know, their best moment and, you know, the moment that they wish they hadn't have had. And Gigi always copies Elijah's highs and lows. So she hasn't totally gotten it yet. But, um, and then we go upstairs and we take baths and, you know, we have a ton of fun and everybody, you know, we, we give crazy hairdos in the bathtub and it's a lot of fun and somebody always ends up walking out with a mohawk or something like that. And, and then we uh, read stories together. And, and we pray. And then the very last thing that we say to our kids um, before, we're, before we're going to bed, um, whether it's me or Jarrett, you know, tucking them in, we always say, I'm so proud to be your mommy. 
and they'll always say back to us, and I'm proud to be your girl, or I'm proud to be your boy. And it's just become this ritual, you know, I'm so proud to be your daddy. And Elijah will say, I'm so proud to be your son. Juju will say, I'm so proud to be your girl. And it's just simple. It's this, this little phrase that we say. But it's, it's speaking words of life into our kids. And some of us think, you know, saying words like this, that it's really hard, that it, it puts us in a posture to be, you know, really vulnerable. And, you know, I'm just not good with words. And if I start to say something like that, I'm probably going to screw it up, you know. And so I'm just not a real verbal person. So I just, I tend to not do that. For me, you know, I just, I send the email or, you know, I, I shoot a quick text message. You know, I don't want to, like, look them in the eye. I mean, that's really vulnerable. I don't, I don't want to do that. And so I, I actually thought... Um, that I would model it to you. Um, this, the simplicity of, of how simple it is to actually speak words of life. And so I went out and tried to find the most handsome five-year-old model that I could find. And so I brought my son, Elijah, tonight. Here, buddy. I got a good stool for you. Can you say hi to everyone? Hi. They didn't hear you. Hi. <laughs> and Elijah, you know, this morning, when you climbed into bed with mom and dad, really extra early, remember that? And we were cuddling, and I told you that I loved you, and I asked you if you would cuddle with me for many, many, many more years, and you said you'd think about it, remember that? <laughs> well, I told you, buddy, that I love you. And I wanted to let you know that I don't just love you because you are amazing at Legos. And you're really, really good at building Legos. You're really, really good at it. And I don't just love you because you're really kind to your sister. And I know sometimes it's hard to be, but you're really kind to her. I don't just love you because of that. And I don't just love you because you told me that one day you were going to be famous and buy me a house in Hawaii on the beach. Although I'm really looking forward to that. (laughs) I love you, Elijah William Stevens, because you're my son. And I love you because God made you. I love you because you are incredibly kind. I love you because you're thoughtful. I love you because you are sensitive and you're really strong. I love you because you're funny and you make me laugh. I love being your mommy, and I'm so proud to be your mommy. I'm so proud to be your son. Thanks, buddy. I love you. Can you give him a hand? I think oftentimes we think that it's a lot harder that we need like just the right moment. Like somebody needs to come in and set the candles and be strumming a violin, you know, and, and it has to be just the right setting for us to speak words of life and truth and hope. And that's not the case at all. All around you is possibility to speak life into another person. And the tongue is an incredibly powerful thing, isn't it? It has the capacity to literally destroy and to take life from someone. And it has the potential to give life. 
And some of you know that your tongue has actually been taking life. And the thing you need to do is you need to just own it. You need to say the words, I'm sorry. I was wrong. In time, will you forgive me? And I dare you. I dare you to do it. You might try to talk yourself out of it. You might try to come up with a thousand reasons why it's going to be a difficult conversation, and it might be. It might. You maybe have really wounded somebody. But I guarantee on the other side of that is freedom, and it's truth, and it's hope. And many of us, really all of us, has the potential to speak words of life into another person. And I pray, I pray that you don't let your head hit the pillow tonight without doing just that. Look someone in the eyes. Tell them you care about them. Tell them that you're grateful for them. Tell them that their life has impacted your life. Our lobby should be like a love fest every single week. Just people, you know, saying I love you. Not in a weird, like, stalker kind of way, but... I love you. I'm grateful for you. You've changed me. Right before I came down here, I got a text message from a a real close friend of mine that knows that every time I speak, I get really nervous. And he just said, Jeannie, you're going to do great. I love you. I believe in you. Here's what you mean to me. Go get them. There's four lines. Do you know what? I sat in my office at my desk and read it over and over and over again. Words of truth can give us life. And we have the power to gift that to another person. And I pray that you will do that. I pray that you will do that. You know, we're going to spend a few moments worshiping right now. And really when we worship, all we're doing is giving words of life back to our creator, aren't we? We're saying to our amazing God, our incredible Father, our Savior Jesus, the Holy Spirit that lives and breathes inside of us, thank you for life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for grace. And so I encourage you to worship with your words tonight. Thank your Father for how much you are loved. And and we're going to receive an offering. It's something that we do here on a regular basis. And it's essentially... Letting our actions speak for us. It's a way of taking our resources and saying, I have been blessed. I have been given much. And God, I'm grateful. So I want to give back to you and to you, this church that you're building. So let me pray for us. And then we're going to receive our offering and we're going to worship. Father, thank you for the truth that is found in Scripture. Thank you for the reminder that our words have power. Father, I pray that you would would forgive me for the ways that I say things too flippantly, for the ways that I allow words to roll off my tongue that cause harm to others, God. I pray that you would sharpen me in this. I pray that you would grow me in this. God, I want to be more like you. I want to be wise with my words, and I pray that you would make that true of my life. 
And Father, I pray that you would make it very clear to me the people that you long for me to speak words of life into. And God, I pray that I would do it. I pray that I wouldn't chicken out. I pray that I wouldn't come up with an excuse. I pray that I wouldn't find a way to get out of it. But God, I pray that I would be a person that regularly speaks words of life. God, I pray that I would be known as somebody that is so unbelievably encouraging that it's almost sickening to others, God. I pray that that would be true of me. I pray that when people describe Jeannie Stevens, that they would say, she is just so doggone encouraging. God, I pray that that would be true of our church. I pray that we would just roam throughout this city speaking words of love and grace. Pray that we would speak words of redemption, of kindness. Make this true of us, God. We love you so much. We pray this in your name. Amen.